Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, October 29th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, our election preview continues. Today, we'll hear from the candidates for Ag Commissioner, the incumbent Republican Andy Gibson and Democrat Ricky Cole. And after a Mississippi StoryCorps, working to raise awareness of domestic violence in Mississippi. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippians heading to the polls one week from today will elect candidates for all eight statewide offices, other state commissions, every seat in the state legislature, and more. Today, we're hearing from candidates for the Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. In a moment, we'll hear from Democratic challenger Ricky Cole. First, the incumbent is Commissioner Andy Gibson, a Republican former legislator. Gibson was appointed to the office by Governor Phil Bryant when Cindy Hyde-Smith moved to the U.S. Senate to replace Thad Cochran. Gibson talks about the office and why he thinks he deserves a full term. We've accomplished a lot, like the launch of the Genuine Mississippi program, local food for local families right here in Mississippi. Uh, go on that website and, and find anything grown, raised, crafted, or made right here in Mississippi. We started uh, really focusing on our international trade efforts and uh, some good results from those efforts we can talk about later. But the thing that really is just now getting off the ground that I'm really excited about, and I believe the most important issue we have to tackle is agriculture workforce. So we are uh, underway with that program now, but we've got more work to do, and we need a good four years to get it uh, in good shape. What is agriculture workforce? Agriculture workforce is the workforce that is keeping Mississippi's greatest industry going. We have an issue in the state. Uh, maybe the biggest challenge we face is the average age of a farmer in Mississippi is uh, nearing retirement age. Uh, that's higher than most parts of the the rest of the country. And as I travel the state, I've been to all 82 counties. Farmers across the state tell me uh, we love farming. It's it's our family. It's our livelihood. We It's our passion. But our next generation is just, in most cases, not interested in farming. So we've got to find those young people who want to be the, the next farmers. Uh, we're talking about the the industry in the state that that uh, employs 29% of our workforce 29% of the people who have a job in Mississippi are employed in agriculture related work we need to go back into our schools bring agriculture education back into our schools find young people who may not have grown up on the farm may not understand what their opportunities are and the high-tech nature of, of modern agriculture and then connect them to these jobs that we know about for the future of Mississippi agriculture. Even though you've been on the job for quite a while, what qualifies you for this job? Well, I am a cattleman. I am a tree farmer. I was both of those things before I ever went to my first day at college. I I moved back to our family farm uh, from uh, where I grew up in Rankin 
Lincoln County, moved back to our family farm in Simpson County, built a home there, uh, got a scholarship to college. Uh, I uh, got a scholarship to law school. And back in those days, I joined the American Agricultural Law Association. I wanted to be an agricultural attorney, and I've done work in that regard over the years. Uh, so not only as a practical, uh, experienced uh, farmer, a cattleman, and tree farmer, but also from a regulatory setting, I've got the skills and the qualifications to not only read these regulations, but to, to work on passing good laws and in, enforcing good regulations and responding, to, in some cases, to federal regulations that it may occur. And then uh, as a businessman, uh, I've, I've had a successful business, uh, know how to manage uh, people. We try to run this department like a business, finding savings where we can, and at the same time recruiting and maintaining uh, good quality, the wonderful employees of the Mississippi Department of Agriculture and Commerce. You've expressed your support for President Trump, yet some are critical of these imposed tariffs against China, saying it's hurting farmers, including in Mississippi. How do you respond to that? I think there's no doubt that these tariffs have hurt. The retaliatory tariffs that China has imposed, they've had an adverse impact on our farmers. And so what we have attempted to do, uh, while I have full confidence in what the president has been doing, and I have no doubt that it's going to be a win-win for our farmers in the end. I think, in principle, he's already reached an agreement with China that's going to result in more agricultural opportunities for our farmers here in Mississippi. But what we've done is we're not just sitting on our hands or wringing our hands, but going out and finding new markets. If we can't sell these soybeans to China, we'll sell them to Taiwan like we did last month. we got a $2.1 billion deal that will benefit our Mississippi soybean and corn farmers, hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of brand-new markets. So the same thing in India. I've been to India on trade missions, and we are now shipping the first chicken ever sent to India from Mississippi in over 25 years. So where there have been challenges, and we all know there have, and we need to support our farmers and get them through these hard times. But we are finding new markets and growing those markets for our farmers because, let's face it, uh, we produce more food than we could ever consume in the state of Mississippi. We produce um, hundreds of times more products than we could, as a, a state of three million people, consume. We have to sell our products somewhere that helps our prices, it helps our farmers, and it helps our economy. You've described your opponent as being full of hot air. He says he's a lifelong farmer and qualified for the job. What separates you most? Well, I think the, the big separation is he's talked about what he would like to do and would, would hope to do, and I'm actually getting things done. That's the difference between hot air and results. I'm a results-oriented person, and, uh, you know, we can talk about pie in the sky, and the fact of the matter is uh, everything my opponent has been saying we've already been doing for, for uh, almost two years. Take genuine Mississippi, local food. You can go to GenuineMS.com. That's our website that we rolled out last year. And uh, you can find anything grown, raised, crafted, and made right here in Mississippi. Local food. We have over 80 Mississippi farmers markets that are providing local food. We, we're getting our local farmers back into schools. We are through the Farm to School program. We're, we're having our young people enjoy Mississippi-grown food in our uh, local cafeterias. And uh, I'm proud to say we actually have launched the first ever small uh, pasture-raised poultry plant in South Mississippi. Uh, ben Simmons of Nature's Gourmet Farm 
Uh, we helped him get that uh, project off the ground so people who want to buy that pasture-raised poultry now have a source to do that, and that's going to benefit small farmers. And uh, it's an example of what we can do when we have that value-added component in our agriculture economy. Andy Gibson is the incumbent Republican candidate for Commissioner of Agriculture and Commerce. Thank you for coming in. Thank you, Karen. Ricky Cole is the Democratic candidate for Agriculture Commissioner. He's the former chairman of the state Democratic Party and a lifelong farmer. He talks with us about his qualifications for the office and what he hopes to accomplish. Ninety percent of the food that we eat in Mississippi is produced outside of our state, much of it in foreign countries. Uh, That represents almost $6 billion a year that we send out of state to buy food when much of that food could be produced, processed, and marketed right here in Mississippi to Mississippians. If we were to keep $1 billion out of that $6 billion in Mississippi, it would create 13,000 jobs spread out all over the state. That's twice as many jobs as there are at the Nissan plant. So I want to work to eliminate the, the government red tape and the obstacles that keep neighbors from being able to sell their farm products, uh, especially meat, to their neighbors. What makes you qualified for this job? Well, I'm 53 years old, and I have 53 years of experience in agriculture. Uh, I'm a fourth-generation Mississippi farmer. Uh, My family's been in the produce business since 1944. We've had cattle most of that time. Uh, I'm proud to be a farmer. Through practical experience, I've learned a lot about production and marketing And uh, I also uh, studied agricultural economics at Jones College in Ellisville and am currently enrolled in the University of Tennessee Martin's uh, agribusiness management program online. Are you still a cattle producer? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We've we've got about 40 mama cows, and most of them have calves. And uh, right now the stockyard price is not what we want it to be, but um, we're doing our best to cultivate a market of of custom uh, beef customers who will buy either a, a whole yearling or or down to one-fourth share of a yearling. That's really the only way you can sell it. You can't sell it by the package of meat in Mississippi because of the red tape. You've already talked about your focus of, of wanting to keep what's produced in Mississippi in Mississippi. What mm-hmm. changes would you like to see to the department overall? Well, the first thing I want to ask the, agric- the legislature to do in terms of agriculture is to eliminate the 7% grocery sales tax on all food produced in Mississippi. Uh, that $0.07 cents doesn't sound like a whole lot, but the margins in the grocery business are sometimes only 2 or 3%. So that $0.07 discount would give our retailers and our producers uh, some some margin to play with. Um, the The Department of Agriculture is, is too much in the business of saying no to producers. Um, there are 27 pages of regulations that prevent a cattleman from being able to sell a steak to his next-door neighbor. I want to work on those regulations and make it possible for us to, to have grower to consumer direct sales, and I also want to work on developing uh, a a local food system so that local growers can sell to local retailers 
who will then be able to sell to local consumers. Ricky, during your time as uh, head of the Democratic Party in Mississippi, there were some issues. Some observers would say that the party was slow to adapt to changing ways, uh, social media, uh, other ways to push the party to Mississippians. Uh, How do you make people confident in your ability to lead a department as important as agriculture and commerce Mm -hmm. in relationship to your past with the Democratic Party? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm not going to be a partisan commissioner of agriculture and commerce. I think that the the area of agriculture is one of those fields where we do best when public policy is bipartisan. Um, There are a lot of Republican members of the legislature that I have uh, friendships with, associations with, and can work very well with. Um, As regards the Democratic Party, you know, it's sort of like a a, a football coach. Uh, When you go beyond the, the wins and losses and analyze a coach's career, probably one of the best ways to to measure a coach's success is how the team does after he leaves. I spent a period of time leading the Democratic Party through some really tough times when we had a lot of powerful incumbent Republicans who were running for re-election. But if you look at the field that we've got running for election this year, um, not to toot my own horn, but a lot of the groundwork was laid over the preceding term to make it possible for us to be stronger now. What do you think is the biggest thing that separates you from your opponent in this race? First of all, practical experience. I've I've been in agriculture to make a living, not as a hobby, not as an exercise in nostalgia, but to make a living, to put food on the table, to pay the bills, to to employ folks. And the the other the other thing that, that separates us is that I see this job not as uh, a, a regulatory function, um, not as a, a an entertainment function, so much as the, the core responsibility of this position is the marketing and promotion of all Mississippi products, not just a select few who join some program that the office has set up, but all Mississippi products. And I think the biggest market that we are missing is the one right here under our nose. We're not doing a tenth of what we should do in terms of, of neighbors producing food for their neighbors. That's uh, Ricky Cole, the Democratic candidate for Ag Commissioner. We're looking at the candidates for statewide office all week long on Mississippi Edition. To hear our coverage so far, subscribe to the Mississippi Edition podcast in your favorite podcasting app. And tune in to MPB's Ad Issue for more election coverage this Friday night at 730 on MPB TV. Coming up, learn more about efforts to raise awareness of domestic violence in Mississippi. That's after a Mississippi StoryCorps. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio provides knowledge and answers questions about our legal system in Mississippi. Our next guest will be former Mississippi Supreme Court Justice Randy Pierce to talk about the Mississippi Justice College. We hope you'll join us today at 10 a.m., Listen live at mpbonline.org, over your smart speaker, or statewide on MPB Think Radio.
We're days away from the 2019 statewide election, and Mississippi Edition is getting in-depth with the candidates. Join us this week for interviews with candidates for statewide offices like Attorney General, Secretary of State, Commissioner of Agriculture, and more. And, of course, we'll hear from the candidates at the top of the ticket, Republican Tate Reeves and Democrat Jim Hood. Subscribe to your favorite podcasting app or find us at mpbonline.org. Then join us every weekday morning at 830 for Mississippi Edition from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Melvin and Monique Davis are transplants. When moving to the South, they had a number of well-known Southern cities to choose from. In this visit on the StoryCorps mobile tour in Mississippi, they share why they ultimately chose Jackson. My mother's from Jackson. My grandfather left me a farm here. And I always enjoyed coming to Mississippi when I was a child, mainly because I was always treated like I was a celebrity. I could do no wrong. I got anything I wanted. And I just loved coming to Mississippi. I thought it was heaven on earth. My grandmother's yard looked like a garden show. The food never stopped. She took me shopping every day. Why wouldn't somebody want to move to Mississippi? As I got older, my parents passed and my my only brother passed. I kind of was looking for more purpose in life. I worked for the Bell System, which became Verizon for for 20 years. And I was looking for more purpose in my life where I didn't go out and come up with ingenious solutions to mundane problems. And I wanted more out of my life than that. And I figure if I took an early retirement in my 40s, I would still have enough energy to do something else. And I really wanted to do something different in my life. Secondarily, we have six kids and D.C. is an extremely violent place to raise young men. They were killing two black males a night, and we had five of them, so odds weren't good. And this turns out to be a wonderful, safe place for children. From that respect, I I never regretted it. Mainly, I wanted to move to Mississippi to get some greater purpose in my life, I guess. Did you care about what I thought about moving from D.C. to Jackson? I'm sure I asked you. Yeah, you asked me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did you did but did you want to say well what my reasoning process was? Does agreed green to move? <laughs> uh, I, I thought I knew what your reasoning process was. Okay, well, well, let me just say why why I wanted to move to the south, but it was between Birmingham and Jackson. Oh, so yes, I forgot yeah, that. and so we hadn't really decided which southern city we were going to move to. And you had two wonderful sets of relatives mm-hmm. at both locations. Vastly different relatives. But vastly different. And so one was more reserved. The Mississippi family was more reserved and quiet. But the Birmingham relatives were the opposite. They were energetic. They were a lot more energetic. And you never were in doubt about where you stood with them. And so because I was from a family of non-combative people, I thought Jackson would be a better fit for us. So that's one of the reasons I chose Jackson. And because I'm a coffee lover, they had a lots of in, they have cups here, which is an independent coffee store. And so, you know, coffee always gets me. So that's why I thought it was a good idea to move to Jackson, Mississippi. Do you think it's still a good idea is the question? I do think it's a really good idea. I think that we have been able to build a really strong network, primarily because we opened a barbecue business and did a lot of community advocacy work. But the barbecue business part of it was not my idea. Well, I like it because I believe it made us better people. 
Well, yeah, if you're going to go through the whole moralistic thing of growing and, you know, moving out of your comfort zone, then yes, but I don't want to be pushed. But, you know, I have a thing with um, rules and compliance and not being told what to do. I don't do, like being told what to do. Uh, even though you need to be told what to do. Need to be told what to do. Oh, there is something my feminist bone, I don't know, just something. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Need want to be told what to do. Oh, that's even worse. You're not supposed to like it. <laughs> no. Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Tanya Mosley. Childhood malnutrition and obesity is on the rise in this country. Some say one glaring factor is a lack of nutrition education. Instead of being judgmental or resentful or demonizing food to people and preaching, I've decided to find a solution. Making healthy eating more positive, next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MBB Think Radio. Get your MPB car tag anytime. It doesn't even have to be up for renewal. Simply go to your county office to sign up. When you get an MPB car tag, a portion of the fee helps MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. For details, visit mpbonline.org slash car tag. We'll see you on the road. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Advocates with the Mississippi Attorney General's Office are urging Mississippians to be aware of the signs of domestic violence. MPB's Kobe Vance reports. One in four women will suffer from domestic violence in their lifetime, according to Paula Broom. She's director of the Bureau of Victims Assistance with the Attorney General's Office. The office hosts a reception for victims and survivors of domestic violence. Broom says by raising awareness, she hopes the rates of domestic violence will begin to decline. I would love to say that one day we won't have domestic violence. I don't know if we'll get there, but we're certainly going to try. And so every bit of awareness helps victims uh, and survivors. Amy Walker is also with the Attorney General's Office and hopes to help Mississippians recognize domestic violence early. Typically, a relationship starts out just like any other relationship does, and then you start to see maybe red flags that you didn't notice initially, a lot of financial control over the money, just limiting options and opportunities for people to get help from outside until those individuals that are in those relationships just feel like they're stuck. Identifying domestic violence is part of a long process. Walker says finding ways out of abuse is very difficult for individuals who may be dependent on their abusers. Uh, we do have domestic violence shelters all across the state that serve all of the counties, all of our 82 counties. And to access those resources, you can call us here at the Attorney General's office and we can put you in touch with the individuals that serve your particular county and get you help that way. October is recognized as National Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Kobe Vance, MPB News. 
Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.